Welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join our special guest, our senior pastor from Hope Centre, Pastor Wayne Alcorn. Very good. So good to see you. So good to be here. Last time I was here, it was night of honour. You're all dressed up fancy. Now you've got normal again on us. That's wonderful. Last time I was here, you had a bush ranger for a senior pastor or a lead pastor. Got a young man leading it now. Young fellow, look at him. He looks fantastic. I haven't seen you look like that for about 15 years. (laughs) You look like a real pastor now. Oh, dear. So cool. Hey, um, I need to say this up front. I will repeat it on Sunday, but Lynn sends her love. Until uh, earlier in the week, she was still coming until we realised that we had had a terrible timetable clash our, uh, our oldest son and his wife, Brendan and Josie, are expecting what is really quite a miracle child. And uh, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd see my wife praying for them and for others in our church. And uh, three in particular, all in leadership. And all three uh, women are now carrying children. And in, uh, in six weeks' time, grandchild, we don't even know what this one is. They've chosen that. Number three will come along, and uh, if they are as cute as the first two, Grandpa will be very happy. Uh, we'll love them anyway. Do, you know, as a pastor, you tell every parent their child's cute. Some of them, you stretch the truth a little, but they all... Uh, no, I, I, honestly, I haven't seen one out here that's not. Okay, so let's just get that out there. Um, but um, so... And, and so what I'm trying to say is there's a baby shower tomorrow that really is part of the journey, a miracle journey, and Lynn was torn, and eventually I said to her, stay home. So, but the good news is I'm back in April, and Lynn will be with us, and then she's in conversations with Danielle, bringing a small compact team of, uh, of women in leadership out here in May, and then I'm back in June, so oh, you're going to get sick of us. But... Um, so she sends her love, as does uh, so many of our Hope Centre family and our leaders. It was great the other day. We had Mez and Aylan with us as uh, they were just part of what was our... We used to call it Vision Weekend. It's now we call it our launch. And we launch into ministry for a brand new year. And it's been an incredibly exciting year. And we're thrilled. We, we love the reports from every part of the Hope Centre family. We uh, just last two weeks, we've put the the stake in the ground for in Brisbane, the fifth campus. And uh, it's very excited down on the the Bayside area, if you know that area around Redlands. And so that's underway. So we've got five locations in Greater Brisbane. And then, of course, this wonderful part of the family called Desert Life. And so God's been blessing. We're very grateful. We pray for you a lot. We pray for you a real lot. Um, You know, when we talk Hope Center, people don't even have to say, oh, and of course, Desert Life. When we say that, we actually just family's family, amen? And uh, you're very much in our hearts and our minds. And uh, it's really cool watching the partnership unfold, just watching our teams interact. And, uh, you know, I'll bump into one of my staff one day and they say, oh, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so out in Alice Springs and then vice versa. And, you know, we've we've got... um, uh, Josh Tasker doing internship. We got Linwood doing the, the internship. Uh, very cool. A young man who I think you'd only just baptized. Morgan 
turned up at church, and uh, one of the guys doing our university ministry grabbed him, brought him straight to church, and he was there. They marched him up to meet the senior pastor last Sunday, and he was wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, as you just see, and all the great things that God is doing. So it's just fantastic that we're working together. We've gone through those awkward dance moments. Now we're just getting on with being family, amen, and seeing what God is doing. And so thank you for your love. Thank you for your prayers. And uh, let's get ready for what God wants to do. Tonight's a half night of prayer, and uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of those who just said, you know what, I actually believe that we have a God that answers prayer. I'm thrilled that you're giving yourselves to prayer. The Hope Center family, as uh, we know it back east on on the coast there, we've just had 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it's done our church so good. There's all sorts of wonderful, refreshing things that the Holy Spirit is doing. I lead a movement of churches which has partnered with many, many other movements of churches and independent churches that said, you know what, let's start this year with prayer. I know you hosted the National Day of Prayer and Fasting right in this building for the the centre here. And all that is just really, really wonderful. And I believe that our nation desperately needs people to get on their knees and pray. I believe that our nation is politically sick. It's economically challenged. But you know what? We don't need political reform or economic change first and foremost. We need a spiritual awakening when someone say amen. And those things don't happen by accident. They happen when God's people begin to call on him many great revivals have come not on the back of exceptional preaching but none have come without great prayer and I've been thrilled to see people pray and I want to talk to you about my personal journey in prayer is that okay there's there's been some things the Holy Spirit's awakened in my own heart as we've been praying together in 2 Chronicles 7 14 one of the great verses in scripture that Many of us who've led churches and lead ministries and call people to prayer, we often refer to this text because it's a great promise of God to his people. We're going to put it on the screen for you, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. You want? How about we read it out together? Let's get a little bit old school. Are you ready for this? Come on, let's do this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will... Please keep that scripture on the screen for just a moment. I want to see our nation healed. I want to see the Holy Spirit move. I, 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 I'm grateful. I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. I've grown up seeing so many things, but you know what? I'm grateful for all the great things we've had, but I want to see a revival, a full-on revival in my my lifetime. I want to see it. I genuinely want to see it. And, and, And the key is there. Get our hearts right. Get our knees bent. Call on the name of the Lord. And I've been preaching that verse and referring to it for most of the start of this year. But only recently I had it in front of me. And all of a sudden, I saw something. You know, it's there all the time. But then one day you see it and you see it with a new light on it. Here it is. It's in the first line. If my people, who are called by my name, full stop. It dawned on me. Relationship before responsibility. 
All those things we have to do, all those things which we should do as his people are secondary to the fact that I belong to the Lord. I am called by his name. Would somebody get excited about that? Come on, help the preacher. I, am, I, am, I belong to the Lord. And, and he, he has called me by name and I call him by name and I called on his name and he changed my life from the inside out. It's relationship before the responsibility of what I have to do. And I think one of the reasons some of us struggle to tap into that flow of answered prayer is we get caught up in what we have to do and sometimes forget about who we are. We're called by his name. We're children of the living God. I've got two sons. I hope you get to meet the older one one time. You've met Ryan. His older brother's name is Brendan. And it's been just a joy of my life raising these two young men. And I've watched them as they've grown. I'm their dad. Lots of people know their dad, but they're my sons. And I watch the way they have approached me when they're young compared to the neighbor's kids. Compared to other kids in the, in, in, in the church or in the community. You see, some who don't really know me, they're tentative. But my boys boldly approach. My boys have a confidence and they have no problems asking. But see, the, re- the request has strength. The request is driven by confidence because they have an awareness of relationship. They know who they are. Man, you're hard to preach to tonight. Come on, help the preacher. They know who they are. They know who they are. And when you know who you are, you're confident about what you ask. It's relationship. If my people call by my name, then you do. But before it's about what you do, you need to remember who you are. You need to remember who you are. So perhaps this moment that we're in as a church community, perhaps this moment that we're in as a nation of Christians that are seeking more from God, perhaps this moment is meant to be more than just praying for our nation. Perhaps it's more than just about praying for our community with all its needs and with all its complexities. Perhaps it's even more than praying for our church. Perhaps this is an invitation to draw near and celebrate first and foremost who we are because of Jesus. Here's the thing that has been happening in my heart recently. I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. And I've got lots of things I have to do for him. But you know what the Holy Spirit's been saying? Come close. Draw near. In James chapter 4, verse 8. Some of you know this verse in the New King James or the King James. James 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God. We got it on the screen, please. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The NIV says, Come near to God. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. To you, then it says what will happen when you, when you get into his presence. And, and I want to address that in a moment. But the challenge is very clear. The challenge is to initiate connection with God. 
Here's a little principle. If you understand this principle, you'll crack some of the Bible code. God is a God that responds to initiative. God is not a God, and this messes with some people's head. Some people think God responds to need. He doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. And faith initiates. Faith initiates. And when we take the initiative, God responds. God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you to repent and he'll forgive. God is waiting for you to give and then you'll receive. Are you getting the picture? So many times, you know, he, he's not a God that is impressed with our rhetoric. He's impressed with our action. He responds to our action. So in scripture, it says, come near. Or New King James, draw near. So I draw near. I take the initiative. I say, God, I'm coming to you. And you know what he says? If you begin to come to me, I will come to you. And so as we join tonight, Many of us will stay for this half night of prayer. Yes, we'll pray for our nation. Yes, we'll pray for so many needs in this community. Yes, we want to see God do an incredible thing and pour out his spirit afresh upon the church. But you know what? Ultimately, ultimately, we all have to remember we are his people called by his name and the red carpet is out and he invites us to draw near. And as we draw near, he will draw near to me. How many are happy with that? It's a matter of us taking the initiative. In the Old Testament, God's people would come to meet the Lord in the tabernacle. Tabernacle is also often referred to as the tent of meeting. It's an interesting thought. The tent of meeting. It was an actual place that people had to intentionally approach They had to go there. They had to come into his presence. They had to draw near. Not just to ask for things, but they had to draw near, more importantly, to meet with him. It wasn't about things, first and foremost. It was about him. It was about meeting him in that place. Oh, my prayer. Here's my personal prayer. God, I want to draw near. We started the year as a church community in Brisbane praying seven dangerous prayers. And one of them is, Lord, I want to be more like you. And for me, that starts with the deliberate and intentional act of getting myself into the place of drawing near. The Old Testament people would come from way outside And they'd come through outer courts and they'd go to inner courts. And and the journey in was a place of intentional and deliberate activity. There were places where where as priests they'd wash. And there were places of altars and asking forgiveness and preparation to come and meet with the Lord. Thank God we don't have to go through all those rituals. But thank God through the power of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. We're still cleansed. We're still renewed. And we can come before our Father with confidence into that place of meeting. That place is amazing. That place is a place of abandonment. The verse before, verse 8 in James 4, you don't have it on the screen, but let me read it to you. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Say submit. Submit yourselves to God. And it says, resist the devil, and he will he'll flee from you. 
Submit to that place of abandonment. Some of you remember, maybe you're a little bit younger than you are now, and you used to do the, the arm wrestles, you know. If you had brothers, you had arm wrestles. You're in a footy team, you had arm wrestles. And, and you know, you, you'd, you'd push and you'd push and you'd push until the stronger one would get you, and you feel like your wrist is going to break, and you go, I submit. Which means, okay, okay, I give in. You know what? When we come into the presence of God, we submit to him. We draw near And as we draw near, we say, okay, God, you win. You've been speaking to me about that issue for a while. I give in. It's your way, not my way. God, you've been challenging me about that attitude. You've been talking to me about forgiving. You've been asking me to trust. God, okay, I submit. I acknowledge your lordship. And I'll obey your word. Submitting to the Lord then sets us up to be able to resist the devil. I actually think too many Christians give the devil too much credit. He was kicked out of heaven because he wanted praise. Can I tell you? If he can't get praise, he'll settle for attention. Stop giving him attention. Submit to God and resist him. Here's how you resist him. You ready? You might want me to spell it. N-O. No. No, because see the battle, you know, I meet, I meet people and they've got intercessory gifts and they walk around, they name spirits over this and that. Can I tell you the greatest warfare on the planet is happening between your ears. It's in your ears. It's not down in the mall. It's in here. Because if the devil can get your mind, he's got you. And what we need to learn to do is submit to God. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey your word. Now I have this confidence that I am called by his name. I can resist the devil. I can say no. Because you see, he's the father of lies. And what he does is he wins by sowing lies into our mind. And most of them start with little words like too. It's too hard. It's too big. Or not. You're not good enough. You're not loved. You're not welcome. Or all those kinds of things and you start to doubt and you start to get all sorts of... You'll never, that's the other big word, you'll never get free of this. And what we have to learn to do is just say no. No, because it contradicts with truth. And you'll know truth and truth will what? Set you free. Those things in our mind, the Bible calls them strongholds. Let me give you a more modern picture for that, roadblocks. Roadblocks to favor and flourishing in life when those things lodged. But you know what? When I come into his presence and I abandon myself to the Lord, it's actually much easier to resist the devil. That place is also a place of dependence. Dependence. It's not a place for the self-righteous, the self-assured or the self-contained. I depend on him. It's a place in the presence of God. It's a place where we pray short prayers. You know, some people pray themselves into confusion. I've, I've been in prayer meetings where people started a prayer, and I'm sure by the time they got to the end of this really long sentence, they forget what they were actually asking for. In the presence of God, you don't have to impress him with your theology or doctrine. He's very hard to impress with that stuff. Short prayers are fine. Like, help! He actually understands that. Call on the Lord. Cry out to him. 
The psalmist in Psalm 120 says, I will call on the Lord in my distress. And here's his confidence. And he answers me. He went on and said, oh, save me, oh God. Save me, oh God. You know, I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. I've grown up in, in church all my life. And, you know, some of those old hymns are a little bit hard to understand. But I remember one that's never, ever left me. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour. I need thee. 21st century people, let alone 21st century Christians, we've got so much stuff, have we not? Systems and programs and technology that makes life easy. But you know what they can do? They can actually erode our dependency upon God. I wrote this thought in my journal the other day. You might like it. We seldom come to a place where he is all that we need until we realize he's all that we have. I need thee. I've been through seasons saying, God, I need you. There's no person, there's no system, there's no technology that's going to get me out of this. I am dependent. Anybody been there? We all have. We're human, we're flawed, we have challenges that when we come into his presence in that place of meeting, when we draw near, we can come and say, God, I really, really need your help. It's also a place of cleansing. It's a great question asked by the psalmist, Psalm 24, verse 3. We might have it on the screen. Verse 3 of Psalm 24 says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? What a great question. Who may stand in his holy place? And then in verse 4, he answers the question. He says, the one who's got what? Clean hands, pure heart, doesn't trust in an idol or swear by a false god. My hands are clean, my heart, my motives, my speech. And then it goes on in verse 5. We won't go there tonight, but then it says they're the ones that God wants to bless. In the tabernacle, that journey to the sacred place was via stations, if you will, of cleansing, of renewal. Of forgiveness. He has so much for us. But the journey of drawing near is also a journey of cleansing. See, I'm, I'm not religious. I'm, I'm, I'm so not religious. God used me in the past century to raise up a youth movement to absolutely destroy religion. Just open the door for a harvest of young people. So I'm into it. I actually don't believe Christianity is about some behavior modification program. I believe God changes our life from the inside out. But you know what? When I do draw near, guess what happens? Something happens. I come closer to him and I want to change. I want to change. I get bothered with Christians that boast about their carnality, that boast about the fact that I haven't changed. I can still show them, you know. Well, that, there's something wrong with that. Because the invitation to draw near is also an invitation to get cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. When I was at high school, year 10, I got a job on the holidays. It was probably the worst job I ever had. I was working on a chicken farm. Egg farm, if you will. The egg farm had two different types of sourcing their eggs. There were those... Horrible, brutal cages where the, you know, 17 chickens in the size of a budgie cage. 
and those eggs would roll down and we'd go along there. But probably two-thirds of the chickens on this farm were what they call open-ranched. So these were the super chickens. These were the ones with the biceps and the big pecs. And they kind of, you know, they, they, they roamed free in these massive sheds, massive. And it was our job, me and my, my friend Rodney, my next-door neighbour, the two of us, 15-year-olds, we had to get every egg because the, the, the old guy who ran the place, he was a bit of a tough one, and he'd check on us and we had to get every egg. Now, sometimes you'd have to get down on your belly and reach right under a food trough. Other times you'd be reaching for something and this big super chicken's above and it'd use us for target practice and it'd bomb on us. And by the end of the day, I would go home totally putrid. Filthy. Filthy. We had about a 2K walk home, I reckon, and walking home I used to think about, wow, can't wait to get home. My dad always had good things in the fridge. Had all, always waiting for me. I think, man, I can't wait to get home. It was being hot. It was in summer. I was hot and I was filthy. Couldn't wait to get home. There'd be ice blocks there. There'd be cold drinks there. I'm thinking, I'm looking forward to getting home. I want to get into my father's house. But there was a little ritual that used to happen. My sister, who's four years younger than me, would see me climb over the neighbor's back fence and she'd yell out, He's home! She would then, this is exactly how it would happen. It happened for about five weeks every day, Monday to Friday. She would then get the garden hose. And I would stand in a very undignified fashion in the backyard while she got the garden hose on full pressure. Turn around. In the ears, in the hair. And from there, I was allowed to go into the laundry take off the filthy things, and from there I was allowed to go into my father's house. One day it dawned on me, what a wonderful picture of what it is for us. We're in relationship, but sometimes just in what we do in life, we end up getting filthy. But thank God there's a cleansing. Thank God. Thank God it's not through religion. It's not through how much I gave tonight in the offering, how loud I sung, how many times I served. It is by the blood and only by the blood of Jesus that I stand clean before my Father. And once I'm clean, I can come into his presence. And in his presence, there's so much that he has for me. I love his presence. It's a place of cleansing. In his presence, as I draw near, I also find freedom. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said, whenever, when, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil. That, that, that thing that stops me from fully seeing Jesus and fully understanding who I am. When we come to him, when we come into his presence, there's that something lifts off. You don't discover that way out. But as I draw near, I come into his presence and and there's that place of revelation. Some of you have had that. Some of you have been in meetings and you've lifted your voice and you've lifted your hands and all of a sudden you knew stuff, but now you really know it. You're in the presence. There's that spirit of revelation in worship. And you're in his presence and and things come alive and it's like, oh, I, I, I think I've always seen it, but now I really see it. The veil's gone in his presence. And here's the good news. The next verse is verse 17. It says, now the Lord is a spirit, is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. In his presence, 
I'm sure Pastor Ben and many of the leaders here today could stand here with myself and for hours tell you story after story of addictions that were broken in the presence of God, of things that were broke off people's lives, things that some doctors said you'll never get free of this. Psychologists said, I'm sorry, that has done too much damage. You're ruined for life. But then they have come into the presence of God and God sets them free. It's amazing. We've watched over the years alcoholics, drug addicts, people with all sorts of chronic conditions. Power of God comes on them in his presence. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I'm the son of the town drunk that got so radically saved. Came into the presence of Jesus. Broken hearted man whose family was dysfunctional, whose life was tragic, who was bound by alcohol and a whole lot of stuff. And in his presence, God set him free. And I've lived all my life in the house of a preacher, a man of God, a man of faith, because of the power of the Holy Spirit that set him free. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And in his presence... As I draw near, I find all those things. I'm abandoned. I'm dependent. I find myself free. And I love this thought. It's in Acts 3.19. Because in his presence, there is incredible refreshing. Peter was preaching and he said, repent. Turn to God. See, that's a deliberate act. Draw near. He said, if you do that, your sins will be wiped out. Listen to this. Times of refreshing will come from the Lord. There's something that happens when I know I'm clean and free and right before God. There's just something about it. You know what that does? It turns my devotional life from duty into relationship and intimacy with God. It's refreshing. I rang Lynn this afternoon. I could hardly hear her because the rain was coming down. We actually have missed out on our summer rains. And things were drying up. Starting to go brown and crunchy and hard. But when the rain comes. Have you ever noticed even as a Christian your heart can get a little hard? You can just get a little cynical. Raise your eyebrow. Just a little less alive but then when the presence of God comes on us can I tell you that's my story right now when the, when, the, when the spirit of God comes there's a renewal that which was hard becomes soft and that which was starting to dry up now becomes fruitful again and it's not something you can work up but it's something you can draw near to the presence of God I'm going to ask Peter and the band to come and join me up here. I trust, you can, I trust you can sense the Holy Spirit calling you. Yes, we have to pray for our nation. Oh, I've been in and out of Canberra in the last 12 months a lot, into places and meeting with politicians. I am deeply concerned for Australia. Deeply. Might even get to share a little bit about that on Sunday. So deep, it actually began to consume me. I came to a place of going, God, I'm not sure we can fix Canberra. I'm not sure we can necessarily 
help all the social ills just with some policy changes. I think what Australia needs is first and foremost the church to get on with the job of evangelism and then the reign of heaven to come down and that which was hard becomes soft and that which hasn't been fruitful starts to come alive again and we begin to see harvest time in Jesus' name. But before it happens out there, as your overseeing pastor, can I tell you, my personal journey is not first and foremost about anybody else and their problems. It's not about cities or nations. It's about this. It's about this. And I want him to rain upon me and renew me. And when I'm soft, he can do anything with me. When I'm soft, he can use me. When I'm soft, he can heal me. It's, it's amazing what happens. You know how it starts? I accept an invitation to just come. To just come. If you sense that invitation of your heart tonight, as we're about to worship, I'd like you just to stand with me. I'm already standing, so why don't you join me? Say, I want to draw near to you, Lord. I I, I want to draw. You know, when we draw near to him, it's amazing how many things which we once thought were important that aren't anymore. Your opinion, your agenda, that offense, it, it is amazing how much doesn't matter when we come into the presence of God, the place of meeting, to meet with God. So we're going to praise Him tonight. We're going to worship Him. And then we, before I hand back to Pastor Ben, I, I actually want to pray for us. I want us to just seek God for a bit. How about we just spend, before we go into our half night of prayer, before we pray for others, Holy Spirit it's me work afresh in me God before there's a revival out there I want a revival in here is anybody with me tonight or am I on my own I I want to be revived by the work of the Holy Spirit so come on sing this song and worship us if you with us can you just raise your hand if you will open your hands before God but accept the invitation to just draw near We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.